Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of The One, the only fan club dedicated strictly to effects pedals. Uh, I am Justin. I'm Vince. And I am Nate from Petty John Electronics today. Yay! Yeah, our, first our first guest. guest. <laughs> right on. Yeah, that's right. We've uh, we've teased it. Uh, we figured out the uh, remote recording now, and our buddies over at Petty John were kind enough to jump on as the uh, maiden voyage of mm-hmm. our um, expansion of the cl- clubhouse and the message of effects pedals. And go ahead, Nate. Introduce yourself real quick. Hey, uh, I am Nate. Stephen could not be here today, uh, but that is all of Petty John. We we. We don't have any other people involved with us. All the pedals are made in my garage with my hands. And uh, occasionally Steven shows up and helps me get some stuff out. But uh, really, it's it's his brain in my hands. How's that? You know, he uh, he thinks, dreams up all the designs. And then uh, we we go back and forth on the the QC and, and voicing of the pedals. And then, then uh, we send them off. We start doing production. So... Excited to be here. Uh, we, of course, our new V3s and stuff coming out this year. We love to talk about that. But uh, yeah, excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we'll talk about those in just a second. Um, yeah, funny story. We were just talking about how Nate and I met, obviously, through Instagram. Our wives were friends and then um, discovered Petty John through uh, them. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I guess it was maybe oh, maybe a few years after that, um, Nate and I had never met in person and I was in Bend, Oregon working on a job and he uh, messaged me. He's like, Hey man, if you really want a myth, I've got one enclosure left and I can get you one. How long are you here? And I was like, Oh, this isn't going to happen. I'm only here two days. And then <laughs> sure enough, two days later, he's like, Hey, meet me at the bike shop. I got a myth for you. So that was, <laughs> that was the, the coolest effects pedal I've ever bought. Yeah. Like the whole story behind it was so great. Yeah. Hand delivered. Um, Good stuff. I just, and yeah, and delivered sign. It had like everything, you know? Um, so that was, um, that was my introduction. That wasn't my first Petty John uh, effect, but that was definitely my favorite, um, from there. So before we get into it, um, we ask all our guests and you are our first guest. Mm-hmm. What is on your board right now? Break down your board for us. Okay. I have, uh, I've had gigantic boards before, but I'm 43 now, so I've I've decided to to tame it down, and and when I go places, I don't want to break myself. So I have had a pedal train nano for the longest time. Uh, it fits perfectly five boss style pedals as long as they have top mounts, which is great because our footprint for uh, Petty John is a boss style, and uh, the reason I mean we can talk about this later, but the whole reason I I partnered with Steven was because of what the pedals do. And we finally, after the year of limiteds that we did, uh, have kind of created what will probably end up being one of our rack units. But it's the lift into the magic, which is our EQ. I'll, I'll come back on these. And uh, then into the crush, which was our original compressor. And then into the only pedal that isn't... Um, Petty John at the moment is one I've had forever and I absolutely love them and I love the company. Christos is a cool dude, but a uh, crazy tube circuits out of Greece. Um, they have a new delay pedal, but right before the new one came out, uh, they had this thing called the time MK three or the time gold. And that, uh, 
it's like the small electro harmonics pedal size. You know, it's like a mm. sm little smaller than like a TC electronic pedal or something. Not like the minis, but the, yeah. the, that kind of size. And so it, it just fits perfectly. It's an analog delay with a like a digital uh, uh, control internally. But the whole signal path is analog. It sounds awesome. It breaks down analog. It's it's sick. But you got tap tempo uh, and some modulation that's available for you in like a pedal that's just super tiny so for the pedal trade nano it's perfect and then that goes back into our tone that just came out at the end of the year which is a transformer based uh balanced out uh kind of end of board preamp so the reason going back on all this now uh, it starts with the lift the lift is more like a channel strip from a neve it's not really designed to give you guitar pedal saturation it gives you uh, saturation being pushed through a discrete op amp and since i'm going to be using that word probably a lot i'll i'll cover it now um the little op amps you know like the 4558 tlo 72 2134 from burr brown um that's what we're used to seeing in pedals because a discrete op amp instead of being like silicon with little laser cut i believe transistors in those little op amps um it's an actual circuit board with the actual parts on it but it takes a minimum of 18 volts to run it, which is why you usually don't see them in a, in a guitar pedal. Um, so all of our pedals currently actually run at 36 volts internally, and I'll touch on that later. But the, the lift gives me saturation that doesn't duck the bottom end. So it's full range saturation, if that makes sense. You know, you turn on like an overdrive pedal, and they're kind of preset with like a low EQ down to you know, mostly like 500 Hertz or maybe 200 Hertz. They, they, they kind of don't have that woofy low end and the saturation on the lift is just this full range saturation. And it's a, it's a play between a boost going into that, uh, discrete op amp and then a blend knob that's in parallel with your dry signal. So running into the lift, I can either not have the foot switch engage, which just gives me this clean, crisp, uh, buffer through that discrete op amp that's always on. Uh, and then with a the foot switch, I can get uh, some high EQ and some saturation added into that mix without losing that clean tone that I had. And it's not cutting my EQ anywhere on the saturation. So that's my first stage. And that's my clean or my slightly clean. And then that goes into the magic, like I said, which was our uh, uh, three band semi-parametric the mids are actually running through a red phasal inductor like you find in like top end was so i know you guys will be familiar with the mash um but that mash pedal has that Real same familiar. yeah has that same mid eq um but on the magic you have one two three four eight different knee points of a frequency where that that uh, mid can kind of seesaw back and forth on so you can really get like thick and chewy on the low end, or you can really duck those out and get nice and like cutting on the, the high end of the mids. And then uh, the, the highs and lows are based on bells also. And uh, so coming out of that lift into the EQ, I can really get any kind of clean tone I want. Um, and then that goes into the crush, which I'm pretty sure there's, a couple other compressors on the market that do what we did, just maybe not with the discrete op amp base. 
Um, but it's a discrete op amp compressor that's RMS VCA. So uh, root mean squared, whatever signal's coming in, it's taking the mean, M-E-A-N, the mean uh, yeah. output of your signal and then sending that into a voltage controlled amplifier. So it can actually get a little louder. It can actually get a little quieter because it's constantly reading what you're doing while compressing it all at the same time. And then that had a tilt EQ. So between the lift and the and the magic, I can kind of get this bass, you know, really just tight guitar tone that's got some saturation to it into this compressor, which then allows me to have just a tilt EQ, which is like a seesaw. You know, I, I get more highs, I get less lows. I get more lows, I get less highs. So it's just kind of like a tailoring thing at the end of that. And then that runs into the delay. And the delay then runs into the tone. And the tone then runs through a transformer, uh, much like an amplifier does. So all that breath that you want and, and then that, that, I don't know, it, it just, it's like extra organic nature to the, to the, the, the playing. Uh, and I'm, that's how I play. I'm not a lead guitar player. I'm, I'm a rhythm guitar player. Uh, I, I, I can do leady stuff, but it usually ends up sounding more like Coldplay or U2 just because I like delays. <laughs> uh, hey, man, that's, that's a great sound. Yep, you know, and I mean, even on the verge of like some Johnny Greenwood from, uh, from uh, 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 Radiohead, you know, that just it's chordal, mm. but it's maybe single notes. It's, it's more texture than anything. And so between those four pedals and that delay, I can get everything I want. And then to cheat if I do need uh, uh, other stuff in um, before I run uh, out of the magic into the compressor, I will jump out and then run into whatever other pedals I want to run. So it's kind of, I treat it kind of like a little loop. And then I have another pedal train nano that has like the myth and the silver and the mash and the smash and the nuke. So for all that extra texture that I need. <laughs> So that's, that's basically um, the, the board setup in, in a long, oh, long form. <laughs> that's no, that's great. Well, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to circle back because, uh, one, you're speaking to a drummer who loves fuzz and a documentary filmmaker. So the words that you used weren't really, really super understood by us. Okay. So we'll get back to those words in a second. <laughs> yes. No problem. Um, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we, we have a club. We're club members. Uh, we're not engineers. Yes. Um, but then what's the amp you run into, just out of curiosity? The, the what? The amp that you're running into. What's the end of the, what's it going into? What's your number one amp? Uh, I have a highly modded uh, deluxe reverb reissue. Um, and then cool. that has a speaker in it that came out of a 1944 Leslie cab. Um, before they had the rotary speaker, they, they would put two 12s in this like, five and a half six foot tall speaker cabinet at the very top aimed down into like a bass trap and uh that was how they got their tone and the the people that made the speakers for that was jensen magnavox um so it was when jensen was actually part of magnavox instead of just jensen on his own so he had moved mm. to us he was in us and he was making speakers the serial number dates the speaker in my amp to 1938 um, wow. and the cool thing, you know, speaker, you'll have the, you know, nowadays you'll have a magnet going to a little voice coil and the voice coil is usually like tin or something like that. And then that's moving the speaker with the, the electricity, I guess, to really, really make it simple. Uh, and the voice coil in my speaker is solid brass. 
And so it has a different nature of just how the low end of harmonics come out. It's awesome. And so this didn't have a magnet on the back. They had uh, in those speaker cabinets a little uh, like transformer and a little preamp in the speaker cabinets that would run to a coil that was going around that 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 uh, pole piece that the voice coil would go around. So we I, I took off the U bracket that had that coil around it that was attached to the pole and I sawed off the pole and then we mounted that to a neodymium magnet from a fender cab. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got this little wood spacer so that the magnet isn't, you know, just totally grabbing onto the voice coil. But the uh, it's a it's a full range speaker that's 80 years old and it sounds amazing with the Fender platform. And then I use a, a Weber copper cap in my rectifier mm -hmm. so that it tightens up and acts uh acts more like a solid state rectifier because that's what I, I have in there. So the, the low end gets a little tighter than your typical deluxe reverb and, and uh, just has a little more toughness, I guess, to the, to the pick attack, if that makes sense. And then uh, I all, well, what makes sense is um, like your, uh, so like our understanding of what I would consider highly modded would be like, maybe we change the grill cloth. <laughs> Your version of highly modded is a different version. Yeah, it's not the same speaker. It's not the same amp. Uh, I, I replaced some of the some of the caps in there with some Wemas and some of the caps with some uh, orange drops, uh, actual like old spray orange drops. Um, and then um, uh, uh, the tubes I use in my Deluxe Reverb are 12AU7s in the V1 and the V2. Since Steven and I make these pedals that have a really nice platform for different textures of tone. I want my amp to be as clean as possible. And an old tech that I knew, his name was Fletcher. He was a, a Vietnam vet, was an electrician in the military, but uh, was a guitar tech when I met him. He, uh, I was having the, the biggest problem. I played acoustic for six years before I ever touched an electric guitar. And at that time in my life, I thought electric guitar was evil because it just, it didn't feel right. You know, I was used to playing an acoustic guitar and he was able to word it in the simplest of ways that made me understand what I was thinking. And he said, you know, you like an acoustic guitar because it's on 10 all the time. You can play it quiet, you can play it loud, but that guitar is ready to give you whatever it can give you at all times, everything. He's like, the second you turn your amp volume down or the second you turn your guitar volume down, that's not 100%. You're not, you're not getting what you're used to feeling. So he said, you kind of have to kind of figure out how to get that back. And I was like, well, what should I do? I mean, I, I hate turning my amp up because then it starts getting saggy. You know, it's a fender. So I get to like three and a half, four, and I start losing definition. And I was like, if the nature of, of attack and, and, and feel is coming from having a hundred percent, I need to get up to like 12 on my amp if that's the way. And he goes, well, have you ever tried a 12 AU seven? instead of a 12AX7 in your preamp. And I was like, well, what does that do? And he said, well, you know, you say if you have the output of a tube, he's like, the reason we used 12AX7s originally was they had the most output. You know, PA systems sucked in the 60s. You know, how do I get volume? Well, I'm going to get the most volume I can out of my amp and just crank it, you know? Yeah. But we don't live in that world anymore. You know, we mic everything. You know, we, we were able to get texture better in a live situation where we understand that better. And he goes, so a 12AU7 only has maybe like 70% 
of the output of a 12AX7. He said, but the key to that is harmonic distortion on a 12AX7 is at like 35% of that tube, you know? Whereas harmonic distortion on a 12AU7 is at like 95% of that tube. So you have headroom all the way. If you want to think about a volume number from, if it's linear from zero to 10, you know, the 12AX7 is going to start breaking up at three and a half, four. That 12AU7 is going to not break up to get to like seven, but it happens to be almost 100% of that tube's output. So if I turn my amp up, it's nowhere near as loud as a deluxe reverb at 12, with 12AX7s in it, and it's tight and it's clean. So now my guitar pedals, I actually hear them better because I'm pushing my amp to its limit, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it does. Well, we're also Googling like, oh, how do we get these tubes in our amps? <laughs> we love pedal platforms. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, real quick, the best 12AU7s I've found are the Genelex Gold Lions that Electroharmonics makes. Um, I think Mike makes those over in at the Softech factory. Um, uh, side side trail. So before I built pedals with Steven, I worked at a lot of different music stores from 2003 on. And uh, one day I guessed at Mike Matthews' uh, email address and I got it. <laughs> and I, I, I was selling his gear. And I was just like, hey, these are some things I have ideas for this. And then one of my questions to him was, what, what, are, your, what are your favorite tubes that you make? Because I'm, I'm just curious, you know. And he actually wrote me back like the next day. I was like, how'd you get my email address? Uh, and uh, to answer your question, the, the, the tubes I make that I like the best and actually make different than all the other you know, ones that we sell are the Genelex. He said they're, they're made more like the old style tubes. He said something about dual plating um, as opposed to only plating one side of that filament in there or that element in there. And uh, so I was like, okay, cool. I went and bought them. At that time, I think they were like $32 for a preamp tube. I think they're like 60 bucks for a preamp tube now. Um, but but man, I've only ever replaced my preamp tubes once. And that was like 2008. Wow. You know, and I, I'm pushing. And you play a lot. And I'm pushing them. Yeah, I'm, 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 and that's, yeah. that's how I play them. You know, the amp is never below four. It's either four or it's maxed. So, um yeah, that that is my my pedals into my amp, and then do you want the guitar? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> we got to know that the guitar. My wife uh, at the time we had been married; it was our first year of marriage. She walked into the store I was working at and walked right past me because I had been talking about this uh, '57 uh, Fender Daphne Blue, and. Uh, she walked right up to my coworker and said, I want to buy that guitar. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm buying you the guitar. I was like, what? And since then, excuse me, uh, I have gained pieces because it was a, it was a Mexican, uh, 57. I think it was like their, the Mexican vintage series or whatever, but the, uh, yep. uh, this was, this was 16 years ago. And, um, it now has a mother of toilet seat emerald green pick guard on a Daphne blue strat, <laughs> which sounds hideous to most people. And then they see it and they go, wow, that is unique, but that's cool. Like it, it just has a really <laughs> yeah, yeah. cool look to it. 
Um, I've always used Spurzels, so immediately I, I reached out to Spurzel, and they will do uh, their locking tuners in different colors, and you can mix and match. So I have emerald green oh. buttons with emerald green screw on baby blue uh, 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 housing for the tuning machine. So the, the tuning machines actually color code match the rest of the guitar. And then uh, <laughs> if you look at it from the face, it just looks like a strap. But if you turn it around, it's like a collage of every sticker I've ever gotten. So it's it's kind of been my, <laughs> my go-to. Uh, I played bass before I played acoustic guitar. So I went piano, bass, acoustic, electric. And uh, like I said, part of my journey was trying to figure out how do I get what I want out of an electric guitar. Um, so playing bass, I had a, a jazz style bass. And I really liked playing with the phasing of the two pickups. You, know, you, could, you could max out both pickups and you get hum canceling. But if you slightly drop one or the other, you actually get more of a bloom and what feels mm-hmm. like more output and it's just it's they're they're just out of phase now so certain harmonics depending on which pickup you have are better and the five pickup thing five-way selector thing on the strat i was never using all of it so i decided to put a three-way switch in there and treat it like a telecaster because the first electric i had mm. that i played for a long time before i got that strat was a telecaster so i was really used to just a rhythm you know, neck pickup and a bridge pickup. And so on my strat, hold on a second. You weren't like a two, two position, two and four guy. Nope. Nope. I was a all, all neck or all bridge. That's the only positions I live in on a strat. (laughs) This is, you'll, you'll like what I'm doing though. So, so I did miss having the, you know, I like the simplicity of the Telecaster, if that makes sense. And then I liked the tonal shaping and the tonal abilities of a jazz bass. So, I have a three-way selector for the neck pickup and the bridge pickup, just like you'd have on a Telecaster. And that is on the first knob closest to the strings. And that's a volume circuit for that. Mm -hmm. In parallel, like a jazz bass, the second knob is for the middle pickup. And I can roll it in at any time with any setup on the other circuit. So I I can have bridge. I can have middle. I can have neck. I could have position two, I could have position four, or I could have neck and bridge, or I can have all three pickups if I want. And then the tone Ooh, is... One more time on that. How's that happening with your so, wiring? So if you think about it, the first circuit, I can get neck or bridge, or I could get both yep. neck and bridge. I roll that circuit off. I roll in the other circuit, and I have just the middle pickup. But then I could roll the other circuit back in, and I could have middle bridge, middle neck, middle bridge and neck, or I could have neck and bridge or i could have uh any setup of those and then the tone knob is global so in any setting with anything i do the tone knob is a, is a global tone knob so that's really cool actually so i like i said my playing style is all texture it's all feel it's all you know it's 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 more i want to i want to create the sound of how i'm feeling the guitar if that makes sense and so that that's given me the best tonal options because, you know, I could get that position two or four, but then I could start playing with the phasing of those two. You know, I could start yeah. playing with how the middle pickup and the neck pickup are actually balanced volume wise. And then Vince, you maybe understand this, you know, being a bass player, uh, what I'm saying when, when, on the, you know, 
you just you just slightly drop one of those volume knobs on those circuits and immediately things just start popping out that you you weren't aware of you know and when you can when you can do that with any of the pickup sets you really get a lot of texture and stuff so i guess uh uh I don't know if I've ever seen that on a guitar before, but if any of the listeners wanted to know how to wire their Strat that way, I guess they could reach out to me after this and I can, I can try and help them out. Or podcast hosts. Uh, yeah, yeah, we could do it. We could do it. I, said, I, will probably re- I will probably be reaching out right after this. Yes. That, I, mean, uh, I mean, that's one of the huge things for me too. Um, also like your playing style sounds very similar to mine. Cause I, my, I like my clean to be extremely clean. Yes. Like I don't want any sort of dirt at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons I had tried, I do a 112 because the larger speakers tend not to break up as quickly. Yes. That's true. Um, and so that the tube info is actually not super bad. interesting and awesome <laughs> as well because it was like, uh, cause like I said, I like to get my dirt and my crunch all from pedals. And if I want it clean, I want it to be very clean. Like I don't, I use, a digital delay because analog delays start to break up a little bit in sure, um, sure, sure. and so like that's actually really really cool the way that that's set up because yeah. it allows you to play with the like you said the phasings um on the strat because on a normal strat positions two and four are the pickups are perfectly in in phase yeah you don't get the ability to let one bloom out over the other you know and i mean yeah you know phasing is probably my phase favorite modulation effect but the someone told me originally it was done it was a diana ross album and they had the stereo mix it just for listeners to understand why i'm saying phasing and they it's like on one side on the right side if they had a tone knob it was all the way bright and on the left side if they had a tone it was all the way dark and as the track was playing they would just turn those opposite of each other so it, it would sound like the highs and the lows were moving through each other and the uh, when you do that with pickups, the way that they're receiving, you know, wherever they're placed under the strings, the harmonics that they're receiving, when one's a little bit louder than the other one, these these artifacts just kind of creep out, you know, and it, it just gives it uniqueness. Yeah. It doesn't sound just like a normal strat. It's like that second position, but not really, you know. It's it's like that fourth <laughs> yeah. position, but not really, you know. It's, it, I like it a lot. Sweet. Uh, you've sold us on it and now we're gonna like you know probably start a fan club dedicated to that type of wiring and i will definitely get you the wiring for that okay yeah i mean we're definitely this is effects pedal fan club so let's we're gonna get back to some pedals here real quick um but we did have a question uh, about uh, the word saturation mm-hmm. you used it a few times when you're talking about your board we want to use it somehow in our own dialogue. What does it mean when it comes to effects pedals? And uh, This is where I wish Steven was on because he could explain all the technical stuff. And I'm not going to try because then all the electronical engineers out there are going to be like, this guy knows nothing. But uh, when Steven and I are referring <laughs> to, to either gain or drive versus saturation, uh, uh, gain at least in the Petty John shop, refers to stuff that is like a, a pedal, like a tube screamer has gain, you know, it has drive. It's got that, 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 that drive gain to it. Yes, it is saturated, but saturated to us is more like, like the lift or like a channel strip, you know, on a, when you have a nice microphone running into a board and you just push that channel and it just, it's 
it's just shoving everything it can through that signal and it's just saturating it, right? It's not, you're not really trying to clip anything. It's just the fact that you've pushed everything so hard that it is clipping, you know, as, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, like, again, sorry to all the brains out there. I know I'm probably ruining everything that I've going to talk about Petty John later, but in our definition, saturation is more that just, it's not so much about the, you know, the nature of the, of the, of the tone isn't about the clipping it, but it's there. It's, it's full, it's rich, it's cascading. It's like taking a tube amp and just kind of turning it up. It just, it's saturating it. Right. As opposed to like, uh, having like an extra preamp in that amp that's running into another preamp and you can kind of run one a little bit louder enough. You can kind of get some, some clipping out of that thing, but then you can kind of keep the, the main amp not saturated, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if that makes sense. And like I said, Steven explains it way better than I can technically, but usually when we're talking about saturation, we're meaning a more, you know, full range. Uh, nothing's being cut out of this. So it's just, it's giving you everything it can. And it's just saturating, you know, like uh, I guess, when someone is like belting a song with their voice and you could just hear the, their vocal cords are almost just about ready to, to die because they're just pushing that through so hard. You know, I, I think I heard the, uh, I think it was smells like teen spirit and it was just isolated Kurt Cobain, nothing else. It was just his voice and you could, you could almost feel his voice. There was so much saturation on it. Right now he could have sang mm-hmm. quieter and been like, <laughs> it actually like, clipped his voice if he wanted to but it was actually just the pushing of that it was the and to to me you know going back to how i explained how i get guitar tone that that's that's what i want i want that saturation i want the texture of everything i don't i want to lose anything from that push i want you to feel and understand that push you know i always i always uh used to talk about drive and distortion as like pushing or pulling you know uh, overdrive was like pushing something through the amp, whereas distortion was like pulling it through the amp. Does, does that make sense? Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. like the distortion. I just it, it's going to do whatever it's going to do. It's just it's distorted. It's clipping. It's it's nasty, and it's it's taking the sound and almost grabbing a hold of it and putting it into the amp, as opposed to you know fuel injecting and adding some nitrous to it and pushing it through the amp like an overdrive. If that makes sense. You know, I guess saturation would be more along that uh, the line of that overdrive idea that just, you know, pushing the sound as opposed to pulling the sound. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I like that way of describing it. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny when you uh, talk to we Vince and I talk about it a lot. Like when you talk to builders, um, like just the analogies and metaphors and like all the ways of describing <laughs> yeah. this kind of ethereal thing is just like half the fun. You know, when you talk about compression, I've, you know, I've talked to a builder in Chicago, like walking on like a wet sandy beach, you know, versus dry sand and like kind of this, this, this texture feeling you have when you're walking on the beach is how he was describing like sagging his compression, you know? And I was like, Oh yeah. Man, no, that's a good word. Picture. That's... Up with talking about this. That's excellent. Yeah, he was um he was I it was a cool guy. I was out of, over I met him at Chicago Music Exchange way back when. Mm-hmm. Um but I just remember that, you know, those just just how vivid those those visuals he created to think about something just as, you know, that we every day just kind of plug our guitars into is it a it was, it's always fun. Um it's really fun. And but I mean, this actually 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was gonna, gonna say, it, say it, well, it, it's really a, a decent segue into into the rest of what kind of like why Stephen and I do what we do. That's that's why I partnered with Stephen is I found someone who kind of understood my brain and approach. You know, him and I both joke that we aren't guitar players. You know, he's a mastering engineer who likes to play guitar, and I'm technically a keyboard bass player that likes to play guitar. You know, here we are making <laughs> well, guitar you're amongst friends then, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, we're, 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 not, we're not, you know, shredding on our guitars at home, unfortunately. But, you know, it, it's because of that idea, because of, of his understanding and his, you know, own personal analogies of, of tone and how to get it. Uh, it was like I met him and it just clicked. You know, I was like, yep. Nice. As like, you read my mind. <laughs> well, that's, let me, maybe this is a good opportunity to get into like your new series of pedals, mm-hmm. a little bit about what Petty John is. Cause you know, I mean the, the moment, like I discovered it long ago and then, you know, Vince has discovered it, you know, within his own very fairly, um, recent journey into the world of guitar. Is there something different about the Petty John pedals and, and the only way I've been able to describe it to people is like, oh, these are studio things. Like these are studio brains, like making effects pedals. And I don't know if that's the right way to describe it or not. And then I think it was like on the JHS show, like Josh Scott had like, I don't know if you guys were on it or if he just had one of your pedals, but he kind of described it in the same way. Like this is some like different elevated design going on. So maybe, I don't know if you feel comfortable with that analogy or if you want to speak to that, but it just feels like, there's something unique about what Petty John is, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, I could totally speak on that. Um, the The episode that JHS did, uh, he actually reached out to us and was like, hey, can you send me... At that time, we were doing the core series, if you remember those. It was like the OD yep. and the Edge mm-hmm. and the Rail. And, um, uh, and he wanted to grab that line and talk about it. Cause I love it when he does it, when he grabs like a whole line of people's pedals and just goes through them. And he's like, here's, here's this one. And this is what I like about this one. And you're like, God, this is the best episode. Yep. Um, and of course when it was ours, I was super stoked. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he mentioned some things that are kind of semi unique to us, like a tilt EQ. There's a couple other people that do a tilt. I know, uh, Rev just put out the actual, uh, tilt pedal tilt overdrive, uh, mm-hmm. for Sean. Um, and uh, so, I mean, it's on a couple people's stuff, but that was one thing that kind of made us unique. Uh, another thing that makes us semi-unique was the core series and all the V1 pedals that we had. And we would charge pump them. So you would plug in nine volts and the pedal internally would actually be running at 18 volts. Uh, we did this mostly because it allowed us to use that discrete op amp. You know, as long as we had a stable nine volt input uh, we were, we knew we could get 18 volts. Uh, so if we told you to plug in 12 volts, uh, our power supply was, was able to take that all the way up to 18 volts. It would double whatever you put in. So if someone's running nine volts and we need 18 volts internally, well, that's the minimum. Great. We got that, you know, and then, and then anything more they put in, it's only going to give more power to that discrete op amp and it's going to run even more efficiently. So, um, that, that was kind of what, made us initially cool and so the the v1s uh were those the core series uh, came out after the mk2s started coming out the mk2s steven went kind of rethought uh how he was doing some stuff at that time uh his brother and i had helped him 
keep the company moving forward. His original business partner that he started the company with had had uh, left by then. And this is like 2018. And Steven said, okay, new company, you know, at least new people, you know, let's, let's do, let's do what I've been thinking about for a while. So he redesigned the power. Um, you can do power a couple different ways. Uh, when you do a dual rail power source, don't worry about the words, just think about dual. There's two rails, right? You have a positive rail and a neg yep. negative rail, right? Um, when you take those, you can actually take the the swing between between them as power. So if you have plus nine and minus nine, you could actually have 18 volts of usable power, right? So he took a company we've been working with for a long time for the discrete op amps, uh, Sonic Imagery Labs, uh, Richard over there. Um, he was working with him and they developed a power supply that not only charged pumped, but was a dual rail source. So you plug in nine volts and we charge pump that. So you get a plus 18 and a minus 18 and you get a full sweep of 36 volts, which is four volts higher than a Euro rack runs on. So, <laughs> so basically so we're making. I'm also like wondering, like, it seems like, um, you know, maybe like Elon Musk should reach out to you guys. Um, <laughs> I don't know like, about that. Yeah, we're like somehow analog. you're making more power out of power. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a skill that people use across the board in all electronics, but we're still very analog. You know, we're, we're, we were nowhere near the digital world of Tesla, but yeah. Uh, Elon, if you want to go. I'm ahead. thinking more his solar city <laughs> approach, not Tesla. I'm just thinking like oh, you're generating yeah. more power than, yeah. Yeah, there like, you go. I give there you nine you and then somehow I got 36. Yep. That seems like it might help the world. And that's, that's why I call <laughs> Steven the wizard. Um, the, so that really... I don't know of any other pedal companies doing that. I do know companies like 29 pedals that have their any voltage inputs and stuff like that, which are super cool. Um, but I don't believe there's anyone else with a power supply like that um, in their pedals, as far as I know. Uh, there were two pedals this year on the limited series that didn't do that. They did the, like the old style V1 or the core style uh, power supply where it just went doubled the voltage but you could put 18 volts into it and you could still get 36 volts uh that was the smash and the nuke i believe and so both of those both if, of which we ended up buying from you guys yes and so you can run those at nine volts uh for a little bit more sagginess but you could run 12 15 or 18 volts on those um and you you will actually get a nature difference. You know, your tight, your, your bottom end will tighten up. Your high end will have a little more clarity. Your mids will be a little more open. Um, much like your home stereo, you give it more power. It's going to give you a better response, you know? So, uh, those you can do that with, uh, I do want to mention on the MK twos and these V threes, cause they're still using that same quadruple power supply where nine to 36 volts you can run them on 12 you can run them on 15 you can plug 18 volts it's not going to kill it but it's not going to do anything more than 36 volts so plugging extra voltage into those isn't really going to do anything uh, and some of those with certain power supplies if you plug 18 volts into them they get weird little artifacts but you're not going to blow the pedal up you just unplug it from the 18 and plug it back into nine you're fine but the uh so for anyone listening that has those pedals, don't worry, you're not going to kill your pedal. Um, <laughs> the uh, So the power supply was one issue that did it. Uh, the discrete op amp, um, I do know that Milkman had that discrete uh, preamp that he put out. And I think maybe there was one or two more 
pedals that have done it before, but I don't know of another pedal company that kind of does it across the board, you know? So the lift uh, runs off a discrete op amp. So there's not an upgrade for that, but for the chime and the iron and the gold, which we're, we're doing this year uh, back to our original line or any of the other pedals that had that you could always upgrade the, uh, the input output uh, op amp to a discrete op amp. And, and uh, it really is a, a difference. You know, it, it's, it's like a, like a 21 year scotch versus like a 10 year scotch, you know, like they're, they're both scotch. I mean, it's, it's, you get what you get, but, right. but the, the, the flavor notes, the, the little extra stuff, it's, it's a lot for someone who knows what they're hearing and what they're experiencing. It's, it's a huge difference. Um, so those so, are, those are kind of the two things that really set us apart as a, as so a when we talk to screen op amp, that's like, and own like you and I have talked on the phone. Mm-hmm. We've, I've looked at one of your pedals, flipped it out. Oh, I you know plugged one thing in. Is that the discrete op amp? That it's is like the discrete op. Little... Yes. So instead of like that little bug looking thing with little eight legs, like a typical op amp that yep. used to. I mean, this you can you can attest. It's it's a one inch by one inch circuit board stacked on another one inch by one inch circuit board that plugs into the same socket that those op amps would plug into. So it's uh you know, those op amps would be like, you know, uh, you could say a 4558 and a TLO72 is maybe like your, you know, Ford, Chevy, Toyota, you know, and like the, the Burr Brown is usually like maybe your Infinity or your BMW. The the discrete op amp is a, is a, a Maserati. You know, it's a Ferrari. It's not, <laughs> it's not even the same. Yeah, it's got four wheels and a steering wheel, but it's not the same experience at all. You know, it, it's that's why I was trying to use the scotch analogy or the car analogy with people because they usually yeah. they can grab yeah. it. They go, oh, oh, this is like a this is like a high end thing. Yeah, well, the parts like ninety nine dollars and we only charge one hundred dollars for the upgrade. So, you know, you only make a buck on, <laughs> on the thing. Yeah. This is not about the you know, smoke and mirrors trying to make more money. This is just do you want your pedal to be better? And, and, and you want it to actually sound like the best refined version that you can get on it. Yeah. Okay. Well then you want this kind of thing. And across the board, we probably sell two thirds of our stuff for the deluxe mods. You know, that's actually what people end up getting. And that's once we went direct when COVID hit, uh, sorry to all the stores that we used to be in. Um, but it, the customer, the customer base kind of tightened up and it kind of, ended up being a lot more of the high-end customers and it might just be because you know you can't go down to a local store and try out a pedal but the uh um you know that myth i know you guys have have one and and uh i've had three people and i still i feel like i'm making it up when i say it but i've had three people and these are legit players that have told me i just sold my clon because i could use the money and i'm like you sold your clon like, yeah, well, why? Well, the, the myth does everything the clon does and more, you know, and, and why would I need it? I mean, if I could make money on it, I'll just go make money on it, you know? And these are players who are like in their 50s and 60s who've been playing for a long time. And so they're not caught up in the hype of, I need to have this cool pedal. And I think it's just, that was the only pedal that did it for them. And now they have one that does it better. And they're like, why would I keep this? I'm just going to sell it, make the money. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> that that has been things that have blown our minds this year. You know, but the, uh, um, uh, yeah, power supply, the discrete op amp option. And now with the V3s are the magnetics, you know, um, 
I'm pretty sure someone has thrown an inductor into their EQ, you know, on on a pedal, but I haven't heard. Oh, of hold it. on a second. Let's step back on the inductor. Yeah, because that's something Vince and I do understand just from firsthand experience. Yeah, that's the mids inductor. That's the mids inductor on the mash and on the uh, the smash nuke. I mean, sorry, the 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 nuke. No, mash nuke and smash. Okay. Yes, all of yeah. the, all three of them. So have the, that. And yeah, it, Vince, it, go ahead. Tell them about the mids inductor because I mean, so we did a our end of the year episode. We talked about moments that we. Uh, like three moments from the year that we wanted to like re like that we remember that like were life changing. And I said one was when we tried out the mash and the mids EQ sweep and the mids EQ inductor because I'm such a a mids fan on like a sound, like it'll make a break a pedal for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like just the the range at which it had to uh I mean, dial in the sound that I was going for was game changing. I was, I looked at Justin, I was completely speechless. I was like, what? Like, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Cause, like, I mean, I've, you've messed with EQs all the time and it, there was nothing that had this range and definition on it. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and to, to the listeners who haven't tried any of our pedals, the, the EQ section on the MASH, which is also on the new gold that we announced last month. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that will be kind of the standard line going forward. Um, that has it, and uh, uh, spoiler alert: the the new lift has it also. So the idea is you have oh. your classic gain and your classic distortion with the gold having the clon circuit or the the quote myth circuit and the the plexi circuit, which yep. is our gold. Uh, you have the mids in that, and then the lift, which is our channel strip saturation or you know low gain pedal. You have the mids on that too. So the 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 EQ section on those uh, and on a lot of those limiteds, especially the ones with the inductors, the low pass and high pass go from twenty hertz, which is below almost every human hearing possible, uh, up to twenty five thousand hertz, which is usually above what anyone can hear. And then when you bring them down to minimum, they actually both go to 1K. And if you do that, it's kind of like a secret yeah. setting on all of our pedals because now you just have the full sweep of the mids to play with because you've cut the um, lows up to 1K and you've cut the highs down to 1K. So now you just have this cool uh, mid bell that you can play with. And that's kind of fun sometimes too. And when you can start bringing up the low end for a little more chug or bringing up the high end for a little more clarity, but you can really hear the mid sweep that way. Um, Steven explains the inductors really well. You know, uh, you're, you're dealing with a physical circuit path, especially in an analog circuit like we make. And so anything you can do to, to, to help that tone, I don't know, gather nature as it goes through the path, uh, it, it changes it, especially when you have a voltage high enough to hear it. You know, I, I, there were some pedals I really liked back in the day, but they just didn't have enough headroom and you really couldn't hear the difference. You know, I'd change out the op amp or I'd change out a diode on it and it would give me a little bit different. It's not huge. It's huge at that voltage. Um, and so the inductor, it actually kind of like stores up the, the, the signal as it's going through. And as it's, as it's bouncing from one side of the inductor over to the other side of the inductor, it kind of gets you know, almost like a transformer. You're dealing with magnetics. It's it's it doing something to the sound that gives you a little more 
natural quality to it, if that makes sense. I mean, Vince, maybe you mm. can explain that from how you feel what you're getting when you play it and maybe why it took your breath away for a second. But I mean, we had a friend of ours come over. We lost him for 20 minutes. We were like, talking to him and he wouldn't even look at us. He was just like playing guitar. We were like, <laughs> dude. Hey, what do you think? Do you like it? He, finally, we just gave up. We were like, okay, whatever. Let him play. <laughs> uh, but that's <laughs> that's what uh, magnetics do. And that's kind of the V3s. You know, V1s, we went from our you know basic power that we were doing when we first started to the MK2s, which was that new power and, and discrete op amps in those drives. And now we have those pedals, but with options they didn't have before. And then each one has a, has a magnet option in the circuit you know the chime and the iron which is our vox and our fender uh platforms uh they have a transformer uh, you know uh option in them now so you can almost kind of use them as a real full line preamp for like a vox style preamp or like a uh, a fender style preamp um, and get that breath from that transformer in the in the circuit like that or on the gold and the lift which i believe by the time this comes out we will have announced it um you'll have that inductor mids with that three band EQ that you can play with, you know? So, uh, really stoked for, for those this year and, and how those are going to be. Uh, we are too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, we have, uh, we have the lift, the MK two lift, right? That's the blue one. Yep. Yep. You, uh, yep. yep lift MK two, or you have the lift limited. I think you have the lift limited. They got no, the limited. Yep. The limited is like the best we could do it. And so if you can imagine that with the EQ section from the mash. Oh no, I've been imagining it ever since you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, it's, it's just it's, like you it's, lost me for 20 minutes going, oh my God, what's gonna happen when I get that pedal? This is gonna be incredible. <laughs> well, and and that'll that'll probably take care of my my small board. You know, I'll I'll, I'll probably just switch out to all of those. <laughs> and then I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll have any texture I need and I can I can use it like that. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, I know we're, we're coming kind of up on time. Uh, so we still have a couple things we need to get to yep. Vince. Do you have anything you want to jump in on? Um, not specifically. I'm still kind of, uh, digesting the information. Yes. Yeah. We're, you know, deep on trying to rewire our strats at this point. Um, <laughs> pre-ordering, I don't know, like, like but that, pre-ordering the new, uh, the new M, I guess it's the new three series, right? Is what you got yeah. coming out? V3s, I think is what we're calling them. But yeah, I mean, and, V3s. and it, you know, that's the fun thing about guitars. Everyone, there's no wrong way to do it. Yeah. You know, no, obviously not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, a hundred percent. That's like one of our biggest things about this podcast too, is talking about like, uh, a sound like plugging a guitar through a pedal into an amp is going to make a sound and like it's never like we never have anything bad to say about it because like some people like the sound some people don't but there's not like a a good or bad way of doing it like yeah. there's yeah like you said there's not a right or wrong like some people will like this specific sound and you know it's it's um, art that we, you can we hear. try to continue to do that <laughs> yeah What's that? I was say it's it's art that you can hear, you know. Yeah, it is art that you can hear. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I maybe the magic has been lost on you, but 
for Vince and I, the magic has not been lost. Like <laughs> we see these little boxes with these graphics and like they have these knobs and we're like, Oh my God, what, look, look, look what it does to our guitar. You know, this is amazing. You know, like they're just little boxes of magic yep. and like, it's we don't understand magic. how <laughs> circuits work. We don't understand. Like some people are like, Oh, another three, three knob overdrive. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take another three knob overdrive. They're little boxes of magic. They're great. I love every single one of them. Yep. There's not yep. a single one I hate. Um, and I, you know, I was, I've asked other builders this and some people are like, man, I've lost the magic. You know, I kind of know what's going on inside there. And I don't know if I ever want to know what's going on inside there. Cause it's so <laughs> magical. You know, even knowing what's um, going on inside doesn't, doesn't kill it for me. You know, I, I started out, you know, on the ground floor selling, selling stuff. You know, I was, I was excited to watch other people find something that they liked. You know, I, I, yeah, I, we build high end analog, you know, studio stuff. That doesn't mean I think we're better than anyone. It's just, that's what we do. You know, like yeah. everyone's the coolest part about builders. It's exactly right. You know, it's so every time I, <laughs> someone's like, check out this pedal. I'm like, cool. How did, how does that builder hear the guitar world? You know, I want to, I want to yep. play with yeah. their hearing. I want to, I want to understand this person because everyone is so unique. That's like my favorite thing at NAM is walking around to people's booths and just like meeting them and being like, wow, you're like this. Oh, you're like this. Oh, okay, cool. Like that's why you build these pedals. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we're um, we're just, I mean, incredible, uh, just fans, obviously, of the the the, the pedals, but also the builders, because it's just everybody's make. It's like a, I mean, the Renaissance has been going on for a while, so I can't say it just started, but there's just, I mean, so much cool stuff out there to, um, you know, plug your guitar into. I guess maybe from a builder's perspective, like from our from our perspective, like we plug one in one, you know, a guitar in and into an amp and we're like, oh my God, it does this. But maybe from an engineering perspective, the magic isn't lost because you're like, oh, I could do this where that's where our, we tap out at that point. We're like, we just got to sure. wait for somebody to do this and then we'll be able to yeah. jump in and experience it. Yeah. Um, but that's, but, yeah. Go ahead. But that, that's what makes it cool. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that, that's so cool. The, it, it, I see it and I can't see it a different way where you see it and you're like, what am I going to do with it? You know, like my mind yeah. immediately goes, well, oh, this right. is what this is. And so I'm going to classify it as this. It's like, no, I got to walk away from that. I got to, you yeah. know, it's like that moment in, uh, it might get loud where Jack White was talking about, you know, he had his little mini me in it and he was telling the kid to just stomp on the guitar. It was just stomp on it. You know, just like hear what it's doing. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I need to get back to that place. Cause, cause my mind is so yeah. specialized in certain areas. Yeah. I totally, I get that. Yeah, I just uh, speaking of might get loud. I love. I'm gonna steal secrets, and we'll probably get in a fist fight. I love when he gets in the car and says, (laughs) (laughs) "So good." Yeah. Um, So we we are wrapping up on time. We have our two things we need to close this out with. First of all, thank you for coming on and making the pedals that you and Steven do because they really are exceptional. And um, just being able to talk to a builder is super rad. So our first thing, and it's a game Vince and I play on the podcast all the time, but also almost every day on text is I've got a space on my board. So you've got a space on your board right now. What are you going to put there? Uh, stuff that I've been really curious at. Um, the, uh, the parabola from Caroline. Uh, it's, it's not new, Tell but us I, more. It, it's not stuff that no. I've had. I, I have a, I have a very interesting relationship with Caroline pedals. Uh, in fact, I, I was at a very stressful place in my life five years ago and, uh, had a heart attack out of nowhere, uh, completely healthy doctor was like, there's nothing wrong with you. You just stress almost killed you. And I was like, wow. And as a get well gift, 
I have a one-off custom Meteor from from Caroline that that Phil actually wrote me a nice little message inside. Uh, I've I've been selling his pedals. I, I I've probably sold a thousand of his pedals at stores that I've worked at over the years and stuff. So um, I I really appreciate their company. The one that I got rid of and I actually want back because you know in my world of getting things to fit in a small section uh, is the D one from Walrus. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and uh, a pedal that I really never purchased, and and maybe I won't like it now. But when I was working at Pro Guitar Shop about ten years ago, uh, there was the Heartbreaker Overdrive from. Uh... Oh shoot! My I just dropped it. Uh, he had the Hell Drive, and he had oh my gosh. I'm going to kill myself. I can't think of the manufacturers. British dude. Uh, Rothwell. Is it a Roth- Rothwell. Is okay. R-O-T-H-W-E-L-L. And he had one of the best kind of Marshall in a box tones about 10 oh, here's, years ago. Here's one of Andy's demos of it right here. Yep. From 2009. And it's a little okay. green. The Heartbreaker is a green pedal. Uh, had two foot switches. It was just, it was basically like, here's some Jimmy Page for you in a box. And it, it at that time... <laughs> It was the sickest thing ever. I loved that thing. And then for off the wall stuff, the hologram, I would love to play with one of those. That thing looks so cool. <laughs> well, come to Clubhouse anytime because of all those pedals you listed, we actually only have one, and that's the hologram. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'm in Colorado, we'll do it. For sure. Um, and then the last game we play is Desert Island. You're on a desert island. Um, and I think in this case we have, well, maybe not. I was going to say, cause you would probably obviously answer based on your story of your uh, amp tech, the veteran. Yeah. You'd say, well, I'm going to have an acoustic, but let's say it's not an acoustic, uh, guitar, amp and pedal desert Island. What are you taking? Uh, I have to take my, this is long-term desert Island. You don't know if like the ship's coming for you, you got Wilson and you, that's your audience is a, you know, a volleyball. And what are you playing? Yep. I, I thought about this cause you'd mentioned this, uh, the guitar is easy. It's, a strat and and wired up the way that i would wire a strat um specifically I, your strat specifically, specifically my, your my strat. wiring on my strat yes uh <laughs> it could be any strat as long as i have the ability to rewire it to that way before i get to the it's just that that's been the best tonal platform it's the most vocal it's the most uh well-rounded that i can find uh, i love humbuckers but it's just not my my thing um amp would probably be a deluxe reverb or a princeton reverb I like those platforms. Um, I don't need as much of angry crunch out of an amp. And then the the pedal was hard because I was like, man, I, I should say something like the collider from, from uh, 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 source, audio. source audio. So I have a delay and a reverb, but I was like, my amp's already going to have reverb though. My amp will have tremolo. <laughs> Do I really need delay? Because without a preamp, like the lift or a, you know, something that's just going to give me a little bit more, attitude into the amp i'm not sure if i would be happy you know, i'd be playing with delay and echo and i'd be totally jazzed about it and 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 uh at the same time i would hate my tone so i think i would have to go you know some form of preamp the two that i would pick would either be the new lift with that new eq section uh or our original hand-wired pre-drive because that's really what at that point i i had worked at pro guitar shop i had worked at three other guitar stores i i had touched most of the pedals that anyone had ever been used to 
And that was the first time I plugged into a guitar pedal and just went, what did you do? Because Steven walked into the store that I was in at that time and went, here, try this out. And I went, cool. And I went, okay, I, I am ruined. I, I now need to buy one and I need you to make yeah. it like this for me. And he went, sure. And so I think knowing that the amp would have reverb and trim, that I, I would be more satisfied with a preamp like that than with a delay. Hmm. I love the fact that Steven lost you for 20 minutes when he gave you that pedal to try. No, 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 no. <laughs> Him and I, like, like we, we were both jazzed about it because we had never played. No, it. that's what I'm saying. Like the but, first time you met Steven, he gave you the, was it, oh, which one was it? The ship? No, no. It was the pre-drive. He had had a the pre-drive and then he just lost you for 20 minutes because you were so into it. Yep. I was just gone. I was like, okay, this is great. This is excellent. <laughs> I've never played a pedal like this. I, I, I feel like I'm playing an acoustic guitar. That was, that was like the thought in my head was just like, wow, I'm touching the strings and it's giving me everything I think it should. So, and then now down the road that, that, uh, that the lift is about 95% of what the original pre-drive was just the pre-drive had some other you know outputs like tuner out and a, a direct out with a, a balanced direct out kind of idea um but for those listening the the, the pre-drive and the and the petty drive and the crush have have definitely been on the docket for how, how do we make those better how we how do we make those ultimately the best way we can because honestly the gold, the lift, the iron, and the chime are about the best that we can make a Class A overdrive pedal. So, besides making our compressor again and you know releasing an EQ, which would basically be part of the pre-drive, um, that that that's kind of where we are. You know, rack gear is kind of the future, and I think uh, you know once rack gear gets announced, I think second quarter of this year, uh, Stephen would be a great person to have on because his his uh, he's able to say things simply uh, in a all in right. Way. yeah well rack gear just kind of got announced i think by you now uh well we played with it for the last two years but okay. yes rack gear is coming this year steven is right now all right designing rack gear and he's got six to eight different units that he wants to create over you know the next 10 years but but uh we'll have one or two f at least for sure by the end of the year that's great nice. um we um we'll have steven on for that we can't do it right now um because you and i talked a bit little bit about it in pre-production yesterday um, which is sounds exciting. Also, it's taken a decade to get here, even though it was supposed to be like a year, which is <laughs> yeah, like, he, super cool. So <laughs> he created a rack gear company, so, but made guitar pedals. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we're finally there. Um, but anyways, uh, Vince, do you have any closing closing thoughts? Any questions before we wrap it up? No, just a, I mean, a huge thank you, and it's um really cool listening to you talk about kind of the um what you're trying to express through your tone. Cause it was, um, coming from a, a world of not really having a history of guitar playing. It was really cool, uh, to see someone who has like a similar potential, like creative outlet that, that I do of like, um, looking for something kind of specific because it's already like up here, but then being able to like express it through, uh, an electronic instrument, yeah. and instruments and like is is really cool so it's um i mean just a huge thank you to you for being on and um being able to talk to, about that kind of stuff that's awesome no thank you for yeah. having me on i this was this was excellent that was blast <laughs> all right on well we um will have all the stuff in the notes you know where that stuff is going to be like where the website is um how to find nate everything like that we'll get that out there um thanks again uh 
for making pedals. Thanks for coming on. And um, I guess next time I'll see you is at a bike shop handing me a Lyft Mark III or the three version of it. The Lyft V3. Lyft V3 at a bike shop. Right on. Well, uh, thanks again. That is it for another episode of the Effects Pedal Fan Club Podcast. And our first guest, Nate from Petty John. And as we always say, go get that pedal. Do That's it. Right. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks, Nate. I really appreciate it. That was really. We're, we're, I know you you got to bust out. So thanks for thanks for doing everything. Yeah, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, if you have any questions, always reach out. You can text me. I think both of you have my phone number. Um, and uh, cool. Yeah, the V three should be announced by the time you guys put this out. So we're good. To yeah, go. it should be like next week sometime. Does that sound right? Yep. And then uh, okay. I'll. I don't have time tonight, but by next week, I'll get you a diagram for wiring on that strat. I would love that. Okay. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. We'll see you guys. Thank you. See you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Take it easy.